Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Straw. Put your free throws because they are free. Fisher Tosopolis Snacks, Crider Monday. It's the 26th of June. Gentlemen, we're nearing the 4th of July. We'll have a cool episode out for you guys this week. One of the heads of Major League Eating talking the 4th of July contest that goes down at Coney Island. Will Chestnut go for 80 is the big question. Will he ever go for 100? That really would be the spectacle to see. But we're talking numbers. Um, not a lot of crazy weekend winners. Uh, toss your rock in your LSU hat. We'll give your Tigers uh, their big due ahead of uh, tonight against the Gators. 24-4 to on Sunday. They lost. We're going to the finals, game three of the College World Series. Very exciting stuff. One of the players we love, maybe Nick doesn't love him as much, but the baseball community really loves him. Uh, Freddie Freeman, he hits 2,000 hits. We talked about it when McCutcheon got to 2,000. I believe him. I'm just dumb in this. McCutcheon was the 294th player, making Freddie Freeman the 295th player to reach 2,000 hits. Question number one of the day, gentlemen. Do you think Mr. Freddie Freeman could get to 3,000 hits? Toss, want to lead it off? He's 33. Mm-hmm. 1,000 hits away. Let's say he gets... If he's lucky, he he gets another eighty this season. I so think that yeah, he's played fourteen seasons. This is his fourteenth season, so you break it down: thousand hits for every seven seasons. You say he's thirty-three years old. If he plays till he's forty years old, it's another seven seasons. I think he gets doable. I could see him playing till he's like forty-two years old. Mm. But he has to retain the same level of skill that he's had, especially in the last six seasons, which, you know, if he's a first baseman right now, if he wants to DH, no big deal. Just focus on swinging. Um, I, yeah. Watching the game last night, they, they lost a, a heartbreaker and extras to the Astros. The way that that guy finds balls out of the zone with his bat. I watched a lot of baseball this past week, watched college MLB. There are not a lot of guys that have the same level of plate vision as Freddie Freeman. Um, it was one thing that kind of jumped out at me. He, 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 it was a fly ball and he golfed it basically to, to the warning track, but it, it was a, the same pitch that I had seen 15 other guys strike out on. And mm. so I, I believe he can do it. I, I think he's the type of guy that if he got 3000 hits, I don't think any of us would be like, well, it, it's one of those that, that, that really like, he's not in the, 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 the same class or tier as the other guys that have 3000 hits. He, mm-hmm. He's that level of player. So I hope he gets there. The uh, interesting thing is throughout his career, there hasn't been really any big injuries. Um, he played 118 games in 2015. He played 117 games in 27 or sorry, in 2017. Um, but for the most part, he's been really healthy mm-hmm. and he's been consistent. He had always been, been able to have a great batting average um, started his career when he was 20 years old as well. So like literally everything you need, every box you need to check, in order to get to 3,000 hits in terms of career longevity and being able to stay healthy, you know, giving yourself enough opportunities is there for him. It's just a matter of how long he wants to play. I think 
the tough part about most players that are still active right now um, who are going to be on the cusp eventually is that 2020 season where they were robbed from a hundred games. And that makes a really big difference. You know I mean? That's, that could be a hundred hits, you know, taken yeah. away. Um, so yeah, it's just the era that he's in. <laughs> Funny enough, he won the MVP that, that year. Um, but regardless, um, I, I think it's doable for him. You know I mean? This season's not even half, this season's like halfway over now. And, you know, he could probably have another hundred hits here. And that only puts him 900 away from, uh, you know, getting to 3,000. 3, so I guess we'll see how long he lasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think also, I mean, you really hit the nail on the head with what I was going to say. And we've discussed it time and time again, that 2020 season really robbing a lot of players. We, I mean, it hurt Pujols and his quest to maybe tackle Bonds and Hank Aaron's record. Um, you know, McCutcheon probably would have got to 2,000 sooner. There's other players like Kershaw, really and Granky, their shots at 3,000 strikeouts. Um, I was in a group text with a couple of guys talking about Freddie Freeman, ironically, going to 3,000 uh, hits. Verlander in that 2020 year, you know, he had he he also got hurt. Had Verlander not gotten hurt and pitched that 2020 year, we're talking about a guy that be going that could be going after 300 wins, uh, yeah. which is something we'll get into a hot second. I don't want to tease it too much. But from Freddie Freeman's standpoint, you know, again, like Nick's saying, he hasn't really had any major injuries. Uh, he's oh, he's always played above 115 games, which is pretty incredible in his 14 year career. Last year, he led the league in hits and led the league in doubles. He's leading the league again in doubles this year. He's batting 317. He's in a great lineup. He sees a lot of great pitches, protected by Martinez and Betts. Will Smith, who's been one of the best catchers, if not the best hitting catcher in all of baseball this year. Um, you know, no shock, no no shake against Sean uh, Murphy, but or or tosses Jonah Heim. But <laughs> uh, you know, Will Smith has really been every bit as advertised as an unbelievable catcher. But from Freddie Freeman. I mean, this guy time and time again is done. He does, in my mind, needed like a 200-hit season. It'd be pretty wild to see him do it without it. But like you guys are saying, you know, Universal he, DH. He had 199 last year. I know, so close. He had 191 the other year. He led the league in hits. It's really – his timing of when he played is a bit unfortunate with the COVID year, like we mentioned, but also the, with, you know, how the shift was utilized. Uh, yeah. against lefties for a number of years. Now we're seeing without the right. shift, a guy like Arise goes from leading the league with a 320 average to like a 390 average. And he's still, you know, consistently hit over 300. You know, there's literally in the last eight years, there's only been one year he's hit below 300 and it was 295. Um, so Freddie's a career 299 hitter as it stands right now. I mean, he could he can push his way over 300 in his career um, with this season. Um, but... Yeah, I, I think with the universal DH, you know, as he gets older, he can not have to play the field. And I mean, he's a great fielder, but that helps his quest a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, honestly, like you're looking at guys' careers, and it just seems like that age 30 to 33 season is like the sweet spot, like the prime. Not like maybe physically, where like, you know, you get like the freak athletes, like, you know, Ellie De La Cruz or Fernando Tatis, right? Where they're just like, you know, they're early 20s, just blazing speed, great power. But I think from age 30 to 33 or, you know, around that time, 29 even, you have enough experience and you have enough seasoning in the league and you have all the tools that you need to make yourself the best consistent hitter you can. I think if you're looking at stats for the most part, guys have amazing seasons around this time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you know, Judge is in that era. Mike Trout slowed up a little bit, but he's still hitting, having a solid season. He's in that era. Mookie Betts is now in that range. He's 30. Like these guys, it's, it is a really good point. It's one of those things where we always like to think sports is a young man's game because we think of it physically. But when you take the mental aspect into things, like if you look at the NBA, for example, a lot of the best athletes are these young guys. Like they can fly out the gym, you know, and can run with the best of them, dunk with the best of them. You know, they're strong as oxes. But we saw a veteran Jimmy Butler continue to get better with age and take his team to the finals for the second time in four years. You know, you have guys like, yes, Mahomes has been unbelievable, Burrow, Herbert, but why time and time again was a guy like Tom Brady dominating? You know, it's just a cerebral sport sometimes. And you see guys even in the NFL like stick around for a long time in a sport that's, you know, quote unquote, not for long. And fighting, you go to UFC, like that's the sweet spot a lot of the time. Like, yes, there's a lot of good young fighters, but the sweet spot for fighters a lot of the time is that 29 to 33 range. Yeah, Yeah, 34 range is when they really start dominating because it's the, it's the, I would say to you, is the, it's the apex of when guys are great at their sport and if they're healthy and great at their sport. So their physicality is still there, but their mentality catches up with their physicality in, you learn a lot of things. You learn plate discipline. You're, it gets better. It, it, it's just the whole thing. Everything's th- really clicking at that age. I think they say something that like men hit their physical peak, like in their mid to late twenties, and they don't hit their mental peak until they're forty or like mid forties. So halfway point. Yeah, it could be like the halfway point of like you're in between. You know, your mental peak and your physical peak. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the, it, what he's done and he continues to do, he's putting together a Hall of Fame career. And even if he doesn't get two, three thousand hits, his career to me has had ironically remnants of another former Brave that we got to watch growing up who just, you know, and maybe Freddie's an even better pure hitter than Chipper Jones was, but a guy that just shows great plate discipline, gets up to the dish and absolutely rakes. I mean, yeah. they're not too – it's it, in a world – I mean, look, we go, oh, this guy's the next LeBron. And when those guys don't live up to the hype, it's like a failure. Freddie Freeman wasn't supposed to be the next Pujols, the next Barry Bonds, but he was supposed to be the quote-unquote next Chipper Jones. So in my mind, he kind of achieved that. I know he's now with the Dodgers, but he did get his ring with the Braves – he did play some of his. He has played his best baseball with the Braves, winning the MVP with the Braves. I think what he's done for that organization now continues to do for the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's serious. It seriously reminds me of a guy like Chipper Jones, who's just like a, a lethal hitter at the plate and get hit it and spray the ball all across. And, and Chipper was a great switch hitter. Yeah, I agree. It's honestly an amazing feat, you know, what he's been able to do. I mean, I'm looking at the active hit leaders right now. You know, guys who have potential to maybe get to mm-hmm. to a dozen hits, and realistically, he might be the only one right now that I can see on this list. Because besides Miggy, like he's already there, um, but Joey Votto, like he's at two ninety eight or, or two thousand and ninety eight right now. I mean, he's going to be retired soon. Same thing with Nelson mm-hmm. Cruz. Elvis, Elvis Andrews is only a year older than Freddie Freeman, and he's got thirty six more hits. That's pretty mm. interesting. I just don't, I just don't see him. Um, you know, doing it just because he's not really in that same role that he used to. Um, mm-hmm. McCutcheon is three years older. He's got nine more hits. Altuve, same age, but he's got 39 less hits than Freddie Freeman. Um, 
Goldschmidt is two years older and he's got 1800 hits. Won't do it. Machado's 30. He's got uh 1659. I mean, Trout. He's got to pick it up. Trout. I actually think Machado could do it. Trout is 31. I mean, he's got 1600, but it's the injuries, you know, it's, that's the only issue. Um, yeah. I think a guy like Altuve or a guy like Machado can do it. I know Altuve. Altuve is like hurt to start the year. Uh, and he played one less season than Freddie Freeman, but he's led the, he had, he had four years in a row where he led the league in hits all above 200. Uh, he, but he has battled injuries way more than Freddie Freeman has. I do think a guy like Jose Altuve though, look, if he gets hot this year and he, you know, continues to stay hot, he can, he can rack up some hits this year and continue to rack up hits yeah. going forward, but he's had injury issues. I think your guy Machado, honestly, those guys you listed, I mean, he's not too far off. We have to see, He's 30 years old. We have to see how quickly he gets to 2,000 hits. True. He's having he's having a by his standards a very bad season. Yeah, I think the injury didn't help. But Elvis Andrews that's pretty sneaky, huh? Yeah, we talked about it the other day. It's a good a guy that just kind of comes in there and is good, just good for a number of years, plays for a number of years, and just does his job. Yeah, yeah. Lead off too a lot of the time, so he gets a lot of opportunities. A lot of a lot of abs. Staying healthy, seven out of ten for a long time will get you a long ways. <laughs> Nikki Snacks, so. Nikki Snacks, seven out of ten over there. Uh, I, I do what, wanna... the one thing. The one thing about the you bring up the shift, like it's obviously impactful for when Freddie's playing, but I think a testament to how good of a hitter he is is comparing him to another lefty that also won a few batting titles who played the catcher position and first base, Joe Maurer, both of them hit opposite field incredibly well. Mm. So you can throw the shift at those guys, but you can't throw it at them. Or you can't anymore, obviously, but what, when it was happening, um, you just weren't as safe as you were with, you know, a guy like Gallo, right. Who in the shift, he's hitting to the right side of the field every single time. And I, I just think that that that's so undervalued, um, opposite field hitters like Freddie Freeman. I, I will say the Chipper Jones comparison, like I know it's his decision that he hit switch, but that's so impressive that w- when guys can hit from the right side and the left side, as well as that guy did, it, it's few and far between that we find someone like that. So I would still say that I, I, I give Chipper the career edge right now. Um, he also played a tougher position in the field, outfield and third base. And so I, it just, Freddie's got he's got some work to do, but he's had an incredible career thus far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've Are you serious? It. Sports is here because of Alex's hat. Just oh, it. hello. We need some, we need some good juju coming into the game today, dude. You know, I is 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 Skeen's gonna pitch? Yeah, right. Yeah. This is a, this is a little bum garter. Well, he threw one twenty in the last round. Yeah. These college coaches like have they don't give two shits about the arm <laughs> of this player. And the MLB, you throw a hundred pitches, and you're like, all right, that's enough. Yeah, I no, I don't want to throw put this juju for him in the air. But I mean, this is a guy that, in my mind, and no, again, no offense to Dylan Cruz, who's the Golden Spikes winner, best player in college baseball this year. I'm taking Paul Skeens first overall. And it's good with that last name. That last name's got a lot of uh, hype to it right now. De La Cruz. 
Oh, Dylan Cruz. <laughs> oh, I said De La Cruz. Sorry. No, 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 Dylan Cruz. But it sounds like De La Cruz. Now, Dylan. If you say Cruz. really fast. If you say it really Dylan, fast. Dylan Cruz. Uh, now, Dylan Cruz. The outfield. Well, the, the pitcher that the pitcher that they pitched in Game One, Ty Floyd, he pitched 122 pitches. He had 17 Ks, which was pretty outstanding and a real feat to watch. These college players chase high fastballs like no other. It's oh, yeah. unbelievable. If you throw if you throw ninety five plus and you throw it upstairs, they miss every time. Well, when you're coming up in baseball, you always learn like as a pitcher and I mean as a hitter too. It's lay off the high fastball, and the most undisciplined hitters are always the ones that are going to chase the high fastball. You see it in the MLB too. You'll see guys that have a lot of strikeouts. They always chase the high fastball. That just shows you that in college baseball, there's just so many undisciplined hitters out there. You know, I mean, most of these guys are not going to go pro, um, but the ones who do are the ones who can lay off that. Um, every now and then, you'll see some guys in in baseball who can't lay off it, and usually it's those big home run hitters or the big strikeout guys. I mean, Pete Alonso loves a high fastball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, these guys see it, and a lot of the pitchers they throw it so well that it just rises up on you too. That too. So it, it comes in like this, and then it just shoots and out off of the, into out space. of the zone, and then you're swinging at a ball. So yeah, I mean, yeah. A, a peak Craig Kimbrell, his fastball came in there, and it just took off to space. Speaking, he I'm not saying he's back peak Craig Kimbrell, but he's been pretty nice for the Phillies. Um, and then yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, look, dude, like, and again, 17 Ks against a really unbelievable like look you know we, I, I mentioned Cruz I mentioned Paul Skeens but the Florida Gators have Wyatt Langford who's supposed to be the third overall pick and he's an outfielder over there for the Gators and he's supposed to at least go in the top five they had I believe the RBI leader in Caglione the first baseman he had five RBIs yesterday uh in, in game two so this Florida team is a really tough team and this I mean, it's another just another example of the SEC come in and, and dominating, which, you know, again, for our Texas Longhorns, it, it's a lot of the pressures on football, but it's going to be really fun in the other sports coming into the SEC baseball. Uh, Ivan Melendez, shout out to him. He's been killing it over there in the minor leagues. We've got to give a shout out to our fellow Longhorns, and they do great. Um, he's been dominant over there, and we've had some really great baseball teams in the past couple of years. So I think entering this fray is going to be a lot of fun to bring it back to our Longhorns. I do want to talk a little more baseball stats with you guys because who doesn't love that in the throes sure. of summer? Why not? Why not? Uh, Otani, first in home runs. Yep. First in RBIs. Seventh in batting average. He's behind Austin Hayes. I believe he is 23 points behind him. Whew. Can he do it? It's tough. Because, um, I mean, it's not just Austin Hayes. I mean, you still got Bo Bichette, um, Yandy Diaz, Verdugo, Yoshida. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all these guys are ahead of him. You're, you're a ranger. Uh, Tavares is also ahead of him by a point right now, but it's, I don't think it's any slight on Otani. I think it's if these other guys slow down a little bit, I don't know if Otani is going to be able to hit, you know, 320 this season. I think that's what it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Who do you? Th- well, I, I think, I think the interesting thing to throw out there is that obviously, as you would expect, Bo Bichette has the most at bats as well. Sure. Yeah. He's a leadoff guy. Shohei, out of those other guys that you mentioned, Nick. He has the second most at 300. He's getting a lot of at-bats. So 
you would presume that if he gets hot, he gets more opportunities to drive those, you know, the points up. Um, also opportunities to drive it down as sure. well. I think that's a, a reason why Laoti is there. He is qualifying, but he doesn't have the same level of that bats as the rest of those guys. Um, Cause at times he's a platoon outfielder. I just have a trust in that Tampa offense and Bo Bichette that Yandy Diaz and Bo Bichette will not, uh, they won't yield the batting title to, to show. I will not yield. <laughs> yeah. That's my, I, I, that's my gut. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, can't I'm, I can't be disappointed in Verdugo and Yoshida being there at the top of the list. I could see Hayes falling off, but what he's done has been very impressive this year. Bichette and Yanni Diaz are going to be two guys, like you're saying. I mean, look, that Tampa Bay, we talk about protection. Then you bring it up, that Tampa Bay lineup's protected across the board. Everyone's having an amazing year over there. Bichette, Nick, your hits leader, and he's, you know, putting your bet in an excellent position. Yeah, but uh, there's a guy that we love that's taking it away. There was a guy... There's a guy, look, you know, we want you to win money, but we also do want love history. history. We love, we love history just as much. Uh, and you'll get your money in Strider and, and SD Ruiz. You'll, you'll hit, you'll hit some big bets this year. I, I'm yeah. Very well, I also, I'm also losing some big bets that I put big money on. And that's my Padres that are just laying a big fat turd all over the season right now. Well, you you had an interesting tweet yesterday, and I know you're going to throw your Padres in here, but I want to ask you guys, what are some teams that you think can turn it around? Maybe not turn it around, but really kick it into high gear and catch. We talked about standings last week, and you know, we'll continue to keep our eyes on them as they change constantly. Um, the Rays are really, you know, as good as the O's, the Yankees, you know, Judge getting some unfortunate news and us getting some unfortunate news about Aaron Judge. There's a torn ligament in his toe and he's going to be missing some time, probably up until September. So their playoff hopes, you know, take a big hit, but they'll get Rodon back, which is nice. But O's back four and a half, Yankees nine and a half, Jays 10 and the Sox 13. And all those teams are above 500, but the Rays are not running away with the division, but continuing to try to mount the lead on on the four chasing teams. The Rangers have a nice lead at five and a half over the Astros who are a half game ahead of the Angels. The twins in the lamest division in the history of baseball are two games up in the Guardians. And then the Reds and the Brewers are neck and neck. With the Cubbies, interesting. The Phils are above 500 in the East. They're 10 back, though, and they're four back from the M's, uh, the other uh, the National League M's. D backs up two and a half from the Giants and the Dodgers. What teams do you think can, you can make those jumps? Are there teams that I didn't mention that you think can really kick it into high gear and make the change? Are there teams that you think should just break off and start selling? What are your guys' current thoughts on some of these baseball teams right now? Um, I mean, I. Th- I do think Houston, they're starting to turn it around. They're not on the best of, of you know, uh, streaks right now in their last few games. But, um, you know, the World Series champ, and I still think they've got a really talented roster and they could turn it around. Um, Angels have been really surprising, honestly. And, you know, if they continue to play well, then I don't think they're going to be sellers. I mean, you saw the other day they, they went and bought Mustakis from the Rockies after piping them 25 runs. Um, pretty funny, honestly. Um, I'd like to see Seattle turn it around in that division, but it, the gap is kind of getting too wide. Um, I think the Brewers, you know, I mean, they could take control of that division. It's a division that's pretty manageable. Mm. Um, they need more out of their pitchers. 
that's usually, you know, been their lifeblood and that's just not been it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, in the AL central, I mean, that's kind of wide open as well. I mean, what a mess. I think everyone in that division should just sell. Doesn't matter I- if you're even in the first place. Um, Riddle. Yeah. Toss any, any teams for you that I threw out there, teams that you're looking at that can really turn it up. I mean, I think one team already is in the NL East. I think the Phillies are going to end up back in it. And and right now, they if season ended today, they would not be a wildcard team. That's just how good the NL West has been with those three teams at the top there. Um, but they are above 500, as you mentioned, three games above 500. And the bats are starting to get hot. Harper's back. Um, Nick, you mentioned the Strohs. As long as they can kind of stand pat without Alvarez in the lineup, he's not going to be gone for as long as judges, you know, I mm. think it's probably going to be like three or four weeks, get him back after the all-star break. Maybe probably not right before, but pro- probably right after um, we'll see what they can do. I mean, yeah, to me, it's, to me, it's the Phillies. And from what I've seen of watching the pods and the Mariners, as much as three weeks ago, I wanted to say that they are going to, climb back, get hot. I don't see it from those teams right now, unless they make some, some moves before the deadline, shake things up. Um, Nick, you've been calling for the, <laughs> the hitting coaches to, to get shaken up in, in Seattle for a while. And same thing in, in San Diego. We don't um, have a hitting coach. Did you know that? No, no, now I do. <laughs> the Padres actually don't have a, a, um, a position for hitting coach. There's so no I need to go get one then, I yeah. guess, in their case. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild, huh? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the, the inconsistencies for both of those teams on the offensive side is really hindering them. And it's like you said, Nick, you've, you've been saying it all year. When the pitchers give a good game, the hitters don't. And when the hitters give a good game, the pitchers don't. So it's, it's Somebody's nauseating watching, watching both those teams, honestly. It really yeah. is. It's unfortunate because they have so much talent. The, yeah. the the Mariners had an injury that I do want to point out. Robbie losing Robbie Ray like a start into the season is pretty detrimental. But they have a guy like in Luis Castillo who is not. I'm not saying is the AL Cy Young, but he's in the top ten in that conversation. I like the pick of the Astros because I think I think Nick, we actually had this talk a year ago. Valdez might be. I think he definitely is a top five pitcher in baseball. He's proven he's been this good for for a couple years now, and, and I think his his just constant consistency. He's oh six innings, seven innings, one earned run, two earned runs, not walking a lot of guys, keeping his team in the game. Always gets a quality start. I mean, to me, he's become one of the most, if not the most, reliable pitcher in baseball. Uh, and as long as the Astros have that, they're going to be in contention. But the Pods and the I mean the Mets and the Pods, I, I just grouped them together because. You know, they're two teams I follow closely because people close to me like them. And they're kind of not too dissimilar. They spent a lot of money. They made a lot of big moves. And you talk about the moves that already have to be made, like you have to make. Like the Pods and the Mets made their moves. They got Soto. They got Bogarts. They got Hater. Like they've done – no one's done more damage than the San Diego Padres really other than maybe the New York Mets who went out and they got Lindor a couple years ago. They got Verlander. They got Scherzer. Like they make a lot of crazy moves. I mean, the Mets were up six three against the, the Phillies team that I also agree with you, Toss, is my team to make that jump because the bats are going to get hot. Trey Turner and Bryce Harper are going to pick it up. Uh, and I, I, there's no way Noah is going to continue to pitch like this. But they were losing to the Mets six three, and the Mets hit two dudes to bring in two runs. That was one of the most. That was a biblical collapse. 
they it's walk the guy season, to, to load the bases and then they hit two guys to bring him home. That was unbelievable. The fact that they lost that game, it was comp- they lost the game. The Phillies did not win that game. But I, I do think that Harper being back will really open things up for Schwarber, who has not been good this year. Uh, Literally home run or nothing. Right. And so he, yeah, he let's uh, let's get that average over 200, Kyle. What do you say? But I mean, the Twins have such good pitching. They just play like really sound baseball. So I don't see them losing the division but the the tigers and the white Sox could could make things interesting those teams are fun and we've we like i think last week maybe two weeks ago or maybe we could say it every single time it's like should the white Sox blow it up or are they going to turn it around like what's going to happen here they really should they should for sure blow it up i they've think got, they're they've got a lot of older guys too that are like they could be serviceable i mean yes it's a young core but there's a lot of guys there that you can get a couple prospects for and yeah. if you get even if you get to the playoffs, there's no way you're yeah. making a run. It's it's useless. I think honestly, the Tigers are in a good position because it's like they've got a pretty young system, you know, and not like they're they've got huge expectations or anything like that. They can just develop their guys, and I think they know that. Mm-hmm. But White Sox need to just bite the bullet. Yeah, the Tigers need Rodriguez back, and they need him pitching well again, so they could probably move him. I'm with Nick. The White, and I've been saying we've all been saying it. The White Sox need to bite this bullet. Giolito needs to be on the on the market. Uh, Lynn, Lynn probably probably cease as well. I don't know if they could trade Luis Robert after the way he's been playing lately. The guy is just an app. He is an unbelievable player, and he's so young. You might have to just hang on to him, and he's got so many years of controllable controllable life left. You might have to hang on to him for a little bit and not force your hand too too badly. But if he was made available, he'd probably be the most he'd probably be the biggest piece in the market without a doubt. Yeah, but again, we talked about Elvis, Tim Anderson. Like these are guys that you can go off and, you know, get some pieces for for a contender that need a, a nice infield bat. Not even I wouldn't even be mad if the Red Sox like made some shedding moves. Like I know we are, I know we're above five hundred, but realistically, the pitching's like and Whitlock's been fun, but and Cutter Crawford had a good game the other day. But and, and Brian Bayo has been nice. The pitching's young and solid, but to me, it's not good enough. Can you move Kenley Jansen? Can a team get hungry for it? Can the Marlins, like A.J. Puck's been good as their closer at the back end, but Kenley Jansen's a more proven guy, and right now they're leading the wild card. Can you entice them to come and get Kenley Jansen and get some prospects off them? Nick, would you be disappointed if the Padres were still were severely under 500 and they sold on Hayter? Um, no, because it's like, yeah, I mean, you can't really climb your way back in. I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I I think they should if it's if it's you know we're sitting here after the um, All Star break and we're you know maybe a day out of the the deadline and you're under 500 and you're still nine games back you should but I just have a feeling that this general manager that we have AJ Preller is so prideful and he thinks that eventually it'll turn around just because, you know, we've constructed this roster with all this money and made all these moves. It's just a hit to his ego and to his pride. But also I think that if it doesn't happen this year, his job may be on the line. So in his eyes, he's like, you know, I'm not going to sell. We're going to see what we can do. I don't get it. That is the most, that is, I, and I'm not even saying because it's your team. We do discuss them a bit, but it is the most confusing team. It just is the most confusing team to me in baseball. You have a guy that's the Cy Young candidate. Musgrove is starting to pitch better. You have the best clo- top three closer in baseball, the best closer in a given night. A guy also could be a Cy Young contender. 
Cam has been sick. I, I just don't get it, man. And I've got a, I've got a couple things because I, I don't want to just bore you guys to death with it. But this is what I've observed as a Padres fan. This is what the rest of the Padres community has also observed over Twitter. I don't really trust the Facebook people. Those people are off their nut most of the time. Um, <laughs> but we are tops in the league on base percentage when it comes to walks, when it comes to singles, when it comes to just getting on base with no one on, that's fine. Runners in scoring position, it's the lowest in MLB history, average with runners on scoring position. No team in the MLB has ever hit under 200 in a season since like the modern era started or since even stats were recorded with runners in scoring position. And this team right now is like 195 or around that, hovering around that range. If it's ended today, they would be the worst team hitting in runners in scoring position. So that's one thing. The other thing is just, they also have the lowest swing rate in all of baseball. So they swing at the least amount of pitches in all of baseball. I get that you want to get on base and I get that you want walks, but you want to produce runs. We had a game the other day where I think eight of the nine leadoff guys to start the inning got on base and we scored, I think twice. Like that just cannot be it. You have to swing at more pitches. There's people on Twitter, like, you know, throwing videos out there of us, you know, looking at close strikes, where they could go either way and like they're already like halfway down the line, but like the umpire, you know, hits them with the strike. And that's just a philosophy thing. I think it's like patience. They've always like preached patience in this team where let's get on base. You know, our guys will bring you in. Well, no, it's like the hitting coach. There is no hitting coach. That's, a but that's thing. like the thing, but like, that's like when the Patriots rolled into the last season without an offensive coordinator. It's like, what are we doing here? Right. What's so, I mean, it, it just seems right? like the game <laughs> is kind of all yeah, out no, I'm just like that. You're a seven-year-old and you're playing little league baseball. It's like, hey, if you watch the ball go in, you have no opportunity to hit it. That like a called a called third strike when you're growing up is like the most embarrassing and thing that should never happen as a hitter. Like, what do they tell you? It like, happens all the time. All the, it happens all the time. Go down swinging. Go, go down swinging. get get the bat off your shoulder. Like that's like the, the one of the first lessons you learn. Yeah, I mean, I that, and when those, you're and when you have brutal. the potential to be one of the make great contact. And you have a lot of power hitters. Like, why wouldn't you want to swing the bat? It just, it doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's your team's an enigma and an absolute enigma. enigma. I want to say, okay, while we were talking about the Dodgers, you mentioned Will Smith and I, we were talking about Freddie Freeman and that he could move to DH. He might have Will Smith in his way because I know that guy plays catcher, but he can't throw a guy out to save his life. Guys are 28 for 30 stealing on Will Smith this season. So if you're playing the Dodgers, run run because he's not going to throw you out because he can't it's really it's honestly an interesting point he's such a good hitter too such a good hitter such a good tied tied it up in the maybe the bottom of the eighth last night with a two-run dare he's in 290 his obp is 400 like he's the heart he's one he's the third best hitter on their on that team and jd martinez has had a great year so it's definitely something to say i want to switch gears switch sports we've been playing this it's been very fun we are going to predict da, 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 the record for the Los Angeles Rams. Rams sucked last year, but will they turn it around this year? We shall see. They've made moves. Gentlemen, here we go. Remember, I am a tiebreaker. I will ask you if you guys agree. We just move on. At Seattle. Um, I'll give them a win there. Mm. L. 
I'm going to go L2, 0 and 1. Home versus the Niners. L. Lost. 0 and 2. At Joe Burrow and the Benjis. L. Big ol' L. 0 and 3. At Indianapolis. L. Win. We gave them an L against Indian, the other one. Okay. I'm consistent. I'll get. I'll, I'll try to be consistent. Uh, I'll go L. They're zero and four. Home versus Philly. L. L. That's, that's why I gave them the win in Seattle. We got to find the wins. Try to. That's true. You got to try to find the wins. But they are zero and five heading to Arizona. I mean, home again. Home against Arizona. It's so far. Win. That's a win. Win. Okay. They are one and five. Home versus Pittsburgh. Win. Loss. I'll go win. Two and five. At Jerry World. Week eight, they're two and five going into Dallas. Loss. Loss. I would say loss. They are two and six going into Green Bay right before the bye week. Two and six heading into Lambeau. Win. Win. Okay. They are three and six into the bye week. Week 11, home versus Seattle, three and six. Win. Loss. I'll say they get a win there. Four and six, week 12 at Arizona. Win. Win. Five and six home versus the Cleveland Browns. Loss. Loss. Mm, five and seven heading into Baltimore week 14. Loss. Loss. Five and eight home Sunday, December 17th, week 15 against the Washington Commanders. Win. Win. Six and eight home Thursday night football on Prime Video versus. Brits, New Orleans Saints. Uh, loss. Win. They're not going to be that bad. I, I, I don't think. I, I think you guys go, think I'm they're going to be bad. I'm going win. You just gave them a loss. What do you mean? We both just gave you the one that just gave them the loss here. I'm going win. Seven and eight. Two games left at MetLife versus the Giants. New Year's Eve. Ugh, games are New Year's Eve. Oh, oh, sorry. I was talking about the Saints. I don't think they're going to be that. Oh, That's what I'm Saints? trying to say. Oh, sorry. The Saints? I don't know, dude. I don't know yet, to be honest. It's a cool offense. About... It's also, they get back-to-back home games on a short week where New Orleans has to travel. I, I'm more just looking at the mm. fact that that is into play, and I don't trust their offense also. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I look, will I pull for the Saints? For sure. I like the Saints, but I don't trust their offense at all. I actually think the Bucks are going to win that division. I was thinking about it this morning. Interesting. Just a hot take. All right, the Rams, two games left. Let's finish it up. At the Giants, New Year's Eve, 7-8, and eight, week 17. Uh, loss. Loss. Okay, 7-9. and nine. They are missing the playoffs and probably missing a shot at Caleb Williams. Heading with Stafford in heading in the Stafford direction for the 2024 season Sunday at San Francisco. Win, I think San Francisco will pull their starters. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to say win as well. I was going to go that direction too, Nick, but you beat me to it. The Rams finishing at eight and nine, not bad. Improvement, improvement. Look, they'll be healthy. Like if Cup and Stat, like all these guys are healthy, they're going to be a fine football team. Curious to see what they do at the running back position. They have uh, Acres. Zach Evans is there, I believe. I think they brought a guy back, didn't they? Oh, they brought Sonny Michelle back. Yeah, <laughs> the goat. Um, I do want to hit on a little basketball. 
So the tampering period starts Friday. Nothing's official until July 6th, but things get crazy and hectic and underway Friday night. Um, a lot is the wind horse. Hmm, pay attention to this move uh, over the weekend. Nas Reed Timberwolves agree to a three-year $42 million extension. They've already obviously committed a lot of trade capital in Rudy Gobert and a lot of money to Rudy Gobert. And they have Carl Anthony Towns in the roster. So right now, all the Timberwolves' money is tied up in their centers. That's do you think problematic? Do you think that that is very problematic? Unless one of their centers is on the move. Do you think Carl Anthony Towns is on the move? Do you think they try to sell low on Rudy Gobert and just get out from that? <sighs> that would been that'd be so awful. Like you just gave up all those picks for free. You think Cat? You think? Do you think Cat? Here's what I wanted to ask. Could if I'm Kat, him, I'm demanding a trade. Cat? Yeah. Yeah. He's. I think Cat's gone. Where Cat goes, I don't know. Do you? Could he? Could he fit work and go to Philly for Tobias Harris? Him and what Joel. You, do you feel like you're getting enough? If you're Minnesota, by dishing him for Tobias Harris, and what? What if you send him to Portland? I think that's the I think the the Dame Cat flip is an interesting thought, honestly. Flip? Yeah. Oh, I was not uh, that's not why I want him to go I was saying to get Dame support. Well, if you flip him for not Dame, then you're getting Simon, some combination of Simon's Sharp, Scoot Henderson, picks whatever else you want and you made the move for rudy gobert to be a top six seed in the west if you move off of cat those guys are really young i don't necessarily think that that helps you in the way that you need it to for right now because i think you have a really good roster if you make the right move for cat say if you flipped cat for dame then you bring Dame in with Anthony Edwards. You still have Rudy Gobert. You now have Nas Reed, who not only can play alongside Rudy Gobert, but can also spell him as the backup big and as a better shooter, a more versatile defender. And then you have a lot of wings. You got Kyle Anderson. You got McDaniels. You got guys that you can throw in there and defend. Then you have Anthony Edwards and Damian Lillard. It's much more enticing to me as a true contender than Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, I just... I mean... And, and, I, for I, Portland, it's like let's let's do the rebuild. Let's let's take well, a shot on a really young center like Cat. I believe in what they said that they've shut down all trade talks that they want to keep him. I, I believe that. And if they do trade him, I don't believe it's going to be to a team that seems like it's a lateral move for his career. I mean, they want to put him in the best position possible. I think you know it's going to be like the Beal situation where like he's probably going to pick where he gets to go. Right? He put in so many years for Portland. Like you got to give him that right, not ship him off to some team that's not going to really contend. I don't think the Timberwolves are ever going to be able to contend. Mm. Do you think Cat does Cat go to Toronto or nah? I mean, if you're just trying to accumulate assets and get a swap for fair is fair, and you want Pascal Siakam, and you think that Edwards is going to take the next jump. And the Raptors are willing to, again, any team that's taken cat is going into the understanding that they are not going to probably not be a top six seed in their respective conference and not contend, but they're hoping that he can put together 
two healthy seasons and, and be back to form as a top 20 player in, in the NBA. Is that a fair swap though? Siakam for cat. Uh, I mean, there's, there's the other pieces involved. I think it's relatively fair going actually. which way though. Like I'm, I'm actually a little confused cause I don't know who I'd rather have to be honest. Well, it depends what you want your team to do. I think if you want the higher ceiling guy, you go for a cat. But if you want the higher floor guy and the guy that's already won a championship, then you go for Pascal Siakam. I think bringing in a guy like Siakam. And also positionally, he plays the four and the three. So it's like you're not, you don't have to worry about like Rudy Gobert and Cat being out there at the same time. Yes, that's why I'm saying they are. Not saying anything, buddy. Yeah. Hopped off the broadcast. He gone. He gone, well, gone. I was going to see if uh, we had time to do an immaculate grid because we were, you know, talking so much baseball stuff, but he's gone now. And it kicked me he's out back. for some reason. Oh, like he's that. back. Let's, let's do a little immaculate grid here before we hop off. You want to play a little immaculate grid? We can. It, I just wanted it, to say, though, it's, like, it's a fun George, one. Paul George to me, I think, is also an interesting piece to watch. Yep. Whether it be the Knicks, maybe Cat is, is a piece there. I mean, they don't owe anything to, you know, um, they don't really owe anything to Paul George in Los Angeles, to be honest. Like, it's not like it's a Dame situation. They don't owe him that much. No, not at all. A Paul George for Carl Anthony Towns swap, they, I think, could be interesting. The, the Clippers, the the person they had the most loyalty to, or they should have had the most loyalty to, they screwed over. Blake Griffin. He found out he was traded over Twitter. Like, they're, they're not going to give Paul George that courtesy. No. Uh, just real quickly before we move to the grid, the Hawks traded John Collins to the – to the Utah Jazz for Rudy Gay in a future second round pick. So Rudy, if anybody Rudy wanted hosts, to know what John Collins' market was, there you go. Or not. Do we do we say Orlando or do we say the Hawks? The Hawks, right? Hawks, Orlando. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta. Whoa. Wow. Cool for, I honestly I like that for Rudy. Yeah, cool for Rudy. That's yeah. great for Rudy, but I actually like that for Utah too. Yeah, take a shot at a guy. They have they have flexible uh, financials right now, and they can, you know, have a guy like John Collins on their book and and see what he can kind of turn into in a in a new situation. But that just goes to show you when you overpay a guy, and then they don't perform, nobody wants them. Nobody wants them unless they're a young team that's rebuilding and they can use them. Uh, to eat some of the cap because you have to, you have to at least fill the cap. That's part of the part of the CBA. So interesting yep. trade. Yeah. Rudy will enjoy Atlanta. Wow. Shout out to Rudy gay. Well, you should have attacked. Congratulations. But I, look real quick on the jazz Kessler, Hendricks, Olenek, Markinen, Horton, Tucker, Baji, Clarkson, Sexton, like Keontae George is there. Now they have Collins. Like they have bodies. True. Yep. All right, yo. Uh, well, John Collins on the move. More crazy things will happen in the NBA this season. Everybody watching, thank you. We will see you guys next time. Fans out there, drag both feet inbound, swing a full count, rip that puck, hit that putt, hit your PKs because they're free, hit your free throws. Why, guys? Because they're free. Because they're free. We out you. We love you.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.